I think that every situation, no matter if you win, lose, do better than you originally thought you would, or maybe had a less than ideal performance, is a learning situation. If you win a class, you can still learn 10 things from it, just as if you lose a class, you walk away learning 10 things from that one. So having that mindset as going into everything as a learning experience in ways that you can improve, whether it's your riding, your relationship with your horse, how you prepare for a class or how you school, already puts you 10 steps ahead of the game. And knowing that that's the reality of the sport, that we are working with animals. And no matter how much we try to control, there are things that we simply can't. And just as we have bad days or we get distracted, it's the same for them. So knowing that and being realistic about it will help you when things don't exactly go your way or go as planned. And if anything, it should just make you hungrier to figure out what you can do better to grow from that experience. There's going to be a lot of moments when you lose more than you win. And that's the blessing and a curse in the sport. You know, it, it keeps you humble. It keeps you hungry. And it keeps you driven to want to win the next time. Welcome to the Practical Horseman podcast, featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Julia Murphy, and this week's episode is with international show jumper, Catherine Tyree. Catherine, also known as Cat, is a lifelong equestrian originally from Chicago who began her riding career under Katie Kapler. In her final year as a junior rider, she began training with Missy Clark and John Brennan of North Run. It was under their tutelage that Kat says she flourished into the athlete that she is today. She competed in her first World Cup qualifier at only 21 years old and made her Senior Nations Cup debut for Team USA less than two years later. In 2019, Tyree made the transition from amateur to professional status and set up her home base in Wellington, Florida. Her string of talented horses have found great success in her training program, which she'll detail later in our conversation. Over the course of her career, Tyree's accomplishments include second place in the 2016 Hit Socrates $1 million Grand Prix, third place in the 2019 $130,000 Longines FEI World Cup President's Cup Grand Prix, at the Washington International Horse Show, a number of FEI wins, both nationally and internationally, and she has represented Team USA on five occasions. In this episode, Tyree discusses her training program and her favorite exercises to keep her horses in top shape. She speaks candidly about what it's like to be a young professional at the top of the sport and how humbling it can be. And she opens up about how a riding accident taught her to lean on the people closest to her. Before we dive into the podcast with Tyree, I'd like to thank the sponsor of this week's episode, Bimeda, and share their message. Bimeda might be the biggest animal health company you've never heard of until now. Bimeda's products have been trusted by veterinarians and owners since the 1960s when their Irish roots began. Bimeda is one of the largest producers of dewormers like Equimax, Bimectin, and Exodus. World-renowned equine athletes also rely on polyglycan, a patented formula that replaces lost or damaged synovial fluid, and Confidence Ec Pheromone Gel, which reduces and prevents equine stress. Consult your vet today and visit bimedaus.com to see where to buy. Now let's dive into the conversation with Kat. 
we're just going to get started with an easy one. And again, okay. thanks for coming on and chatting with us. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got interested in horses and riding to begin with? So my mom actually used to compete. And when myself and my sister were younger, she brought us to the barn with her when we were living in downtown Chicago. And one day she let us get on her horse and the rest is history. <laughs> what after all these years has kept you involved um, with horses and the sport in general? I think the one thing that has really kept me in the sport is my undying love for the horses. They have become such an important part of my life and have been something that's been very consistent since I was young. And it's nice to have that relationship with the animals in general. And over the years, I've developed a really great group of friends and a great group of support people that have helped me in the industry and helped me throughout my career. And they've really shaped my life both within the sport and outside of the sport. I owe a lot to the people that have helped me over the years. And I've been lucky to have great people there to help me when I need it, pick me up when I need it, give me the encouragement. And I would say that combined with just how much I love and respect the animals and appreciate the time that I get to spend with them is really what has ultimately kept me going in the sport for so long. And so you went from being an amateur to a professional a few years ago. Can you tell us how you made that decision to make the move? So I had just been jumping a lot of the bigger FEI classes and I was living in Florida for the winters and John and Missy both needed another rider in the barn and they were actually the ones who approached me about going professional and doing some work for them. It was a really easy transition. I had been there for so long. It had been seven years at this point when they asked me at first and it seemed like just a simple solution. I was really familiar with the program and the structure and the horses and it was really their nudge that gave me the push to take that step that I knew I wanted to take but wasn't quite sure when would be the opportunity and they presented the the perfect chance for me to get my feet wet in that. And it sounds like you you know you keep mentioning Missy and John they must be um, such big mentors in your life and in your career can you touch on that a little bit more um, and your relationship with the two of them? So I started working with John and Missy when I was 18. It was the beginning of my last junior year. And my big goal was the equitation and taking that first step really to being competitive mm -hmm. in the junior jumpers and hopefully beyond that. So since then, obviously our relationship, but professionally and personally has really grown. We've done a lot of great things together and been through some rough times and some great times together but more than anything I'm I feel very lucky to have found my people at such an early age I think this sport is something that the team that you build around you really is what's going to help you grow prosper be successful be confident and I found them in 18 and still 10 years later they're a big part in my life, even though I'm not with them on a day-to-day -day basis, I know they're just a phone call away. And, you know, they are the ones that I trust when I doubt myself or if I have a question, I know they're always going to be there and willing and able to help me in whatever way they can. 
And if you're at the same show, say like as Missy and you're at a big class and she's at the ring, does she still, you know, right by your side, giving you tips and any training advice? Yeah, for sure. When John and Missy are at the same show, they are there when I jump a big class or if I need help with a horse. Uh, once we leave Florida, I don't get to see them as often, but I can send them videos or ask them questions whenever I need the help. And they're always checking the results. And I talk to them pretty frequently throughout the week, but being in Florida for the winter with them is really helpful. And it's nice to reconnect for a long period of time. And whenever I'm there ready to jump the big class, they're at the end gate with me. That's really awesome to have such a strong relationship with them. I have a lot of trust in their program and their decisions. And I know if they tell me to do something before I go in the ring, 99.9% of the time they're right. So mm -hmm. it's, it's nice to have that relationship with somebody on the ground. Yeah. Um, and you touched on it before you started training with Missy and John, when you were in your last year as a junior, you were doing the equitation um, you were, had a super successful junior career, and then um, now your focus is in the jumpers. So what is it about the jumpers that you love so much? I think the thrill of any competition that you go to, especially now that I've been lucky enough to be at the top level of the sport for a while, I still go into the schooling ring even when I'm stateside and I should be comfortable with being in the schooling ring with McLean or Kent, Easy, Laura. But there are still so many times that I'm walking around. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty surreal. These are people that I've looked up to for such a long time. And to be competing alongside them is something I don't think I'll ever get used to, which, which is great, honestly. I've learned a lot from just watching them over the years. And being able to jump alongside them and compete against them is something I didn't really think was in the cards for me. But now that I've gotten to that level, like, I want to figure out how I can be as competitive as they are, how they do something different. And so being exposed to that has really gotten me hungry in the jumpers. I also love that, you know, you, you can make a mistake and get away with it. And the equitation was so stressed on perfection and, and learning the basics and line and track. And that's done a lot for me. But sometimes when you go into the jumpers, something takes over and you get super competitive and another side comes out of you that you didn't quite know existed. And I certainly didn't know it existed until I started jumping these bigger classes and becoming competitive and kind of realizing that a lot of the hard work that I put in and continue to put in pays off at the end. I totally get that. I did the equitation as a junior too. And just um, recently it started competing again and switched to the jumpers. And it's a lot of fun. It definitely, I was so used to like the stress of the equitation and the perfection of it all. And you just get in the ring with in the jumpers and it's, it's the most fun in the world. For sure. And it's a great time to really believe in your relationship with your horse and the trust that you have with each other. And you, when you feel comfortable and confident to go fast and kind of lay it all out there, what it really boils down to is just the ultimate trust that you have in one another. And I think that's something that's really cool about our sport. Speaking of the relationship with your horses, can you talk about some of the most influential horses in your career? Without a doubt, I think the one, at least that 
means the most to me would be Enjoy Louie. He was the first real Grand Prix horse that I had. And I actually, I recently retired him about two years ago at the age of 16, but I found him when I was 21 and just really stepping up to jump the big classes. And he gave me this sense of security and ease whenever I went into a big class. I never jumped a jump that felt too big. I never felt like I was going into a class that was over my head. And at the time, I was a bit naive at just how special he was and what a relationship we had together. It was only when he was sidelined for the first time with an injury that I realized just how lucky I was to have him and that it's not so easy without him. He for sure gave me a lot of confidence to jump the bigger classes. I jumped my first World Cup qualifier with him. I jumped my first Mm -hmm. five-star Grand Prix and I was second in the million in Saugerties just a few months after I got uh, sidelines in Florida with an injury. So he is someone, he is a horse that is very special to me and really kickstarted my career at the higher level. What are some of your most memorable achievements and wins thus far in your career? Uh, a few stick out to me. One, as I said, was being second in the million at Saugerties in 2016, I believe the year was. It was the second five-star Grand Prix I jumped, and I was coming off of a really rough winter of losing freestyle and being sidelined after having surgery. So that's mm-hmm. something that really, that will always be an important round, an important memory in my brain. Um, it was the culmination of a lot of hard work coming back and really persevering through the hard times. And then another rounds that I will never forget would be the the Hickstead Nations Cup in 2019 with Bokai. I jumped clear in the first round and being there representing the U.S. on such a renowned stage and such a historical horse show and going in with Bokai and, and doing that is something that I'll be forever grateful for to both Bokai, my trainers, Robert Ridlin, and everybody at USET for giving me the opportunity that was a really cool feeling and one that I will never forget. And you mentioned your horse uh, freestyle, correct? That you yes. um, lost um, a number of years ago and yes. um, which of course I'm so sorry about. And I think a lot of us have um, are, you know, aware of what you went through and then you just had this incredible um, coming back from that, your injury, and you rose in the world ranks by like a couple hundred, <laughs> I think. Um, what was your mindset when that happened after going through something that traumatic and like that big loss and then coming back and like you said, doing the million and being in second and going from, you know, what may have been such a low to such a high, like what, where was your brain at in that time in your life? For sure, the first few months after being injured and and losing freestyle were rough. I was in Wellington. It happens the first week of season. So I ended up just kind of sitting around being sidelined after having surgery. And I was doing physical therapy and trying to keep myself busy. But all I wanted to do was get back on the horse. And in April of that same year, I had to go back to Chicago to go back to school at Northwestern and continue my physical therapy. And I remember the day I got clearance to start walking again. And three days later, I was back on a horse. Um, Definitely, it was painful at first. 
but I just knew that I owed it to myself, my team to freestyle, to really push through the hard times and to get going again. And in the beginning of June, I went back to my first horse show and I remember I couldn't even walk the course. I could barely walk without a limp. So there was no way I could accurately walk a line. And that's where it really comes down to the people around you and the trust that you had. I, I was really lucky to have been with John and Missy for a few years already. And they told me what to do. And I fully believed their system and what they were saying. And I could go out there and do it. And they were able to maintain the horses and keep them going and keep them show fit for me. So when I came back, all I knew is that I myself had to be in the best shape possible at that time for my horses. So knowing that I had everybody behind me who never left my side through the rough times and really showed up to help me when I needed it, they were the ones that I kept pushing for. And we ended up coming out the other side, which for sure I would not have been able to do without Mm -hmm. them. Is there any piece of advice you would give a rider who has maybe gone through an injury or a loss that's sim- that similar to yours? I think it's really easy to feel down and to kind of be lost, especially when the sport is your life. I know I struggled for a while after losing freestyle and, and not being able to do anything about it. Um, it's really important though, to give yourself that time to grieve and go through the motions of such a loss, because we do develop such deep partnerships with these horses and they become a part of us. And when something like that is taken away from you or lost, it's hard to comprehend and to understand at first. And it's natural to grieve and be very sad, but there comes a time when you're going to need to pick yourself up and kind of, and tell yourself that it's going to be okay and you can get back to the sport that you love and to find that passion again that you had before and relying on people and leaning on them when you need it is really important there is nothing wrong with doing that Um, it's a hard thing to go through anything that's traumatizing in any aspect of life and the way to get through it at least I think is to really rely and lean on the people that are close to you they're the ones who will be able to pick you up and dust you off when you need it and to give you that little extra bit of encouragement that maybe you're lacking yourself at the moment and we know as equestrians especially competitive equestrians um that this sport is so unpredictable sometimes um you could be feeling you know the best in the whole world and then you walk into a class thinking it's going to be great and you know it doesn't go as planned and you don't win as much as you like. So how do you deal with something um, kind of a letdown or not winning as much as you want? Um, How do you keep your mentality positive and deal with things like that? I think that every situation, no matter if you win, lose, do better than you originally thought you would, or maybe had a less than ideal performance is a learning situation. If you win a class, you can still learn 10 things from it, just as if you lose a class, you walk away learning 10 things from that one. So having that mindset as going into everything as a learning experience in ways that you can improve, whether it's your riding, your relationship with your horse, how you prepare for a class or how you school already puts you 10 steps ahead of the game. And knowing that that's the reality of the sport, that we are working with animals 
And no matter how much we try to control, there are things that we simply can't. And just as we have bad days or we get distracted, it's the same for them. So knowing that and being realistic about it will help you when things don't exactly go your way or go as planned. And if anything, it should just make you hungrier to figure out what you can do better to grow from that experience. There's going to be a lot of moments when you lose more than you win. And that's the blessing and a curse in the sport. You know, it, it keeps you humble. It keeps you hungry. And it keeps you driven to want to win the next time. I read um, an older interview of yours and in it, you were saying how when you first got super competitive and at the, the upper level, you kind of had to learn that you don't win as much as you want to. Like you think you're going to go into every class and just be amazing. And like, you're always going to pin. And that was like a learning curve for you. And I feel like that's a learning curve for everyone. I know it was for me, like when I started the jumpers, because you kind of have this mindset that, you know, like you're, on top of the world and then it like you said it's humbling um when you're competing all the time like you know stuff like that just happens and you do you have to learn that, like you're not going to walk into the ring and you're not going to win every class for sure and it's definitely a hard adjustment especially as you're stepping up in classes and levels you know if you have success at one level and then you move up Oftentimes that move up doesn't generate instant success and it's finding a new way to become successful at that level. There for sure is a learning curve no matter where you are in your riding. And I remember when I stepped up to those big classes, I really didn't feel like I belonged. I went I was felt like I was pretty competitive when I was doing the amateur classes and I went into the FEI ring and I froze. And I was just looking at everybody around me and being like, how can they be doing what they're doing? And there are still many instances now where I sit and I watch a class in Wellington. And I'm like, how on earth do these people do this? Um, <laughs> but for me, it makes me want to figure out how they do it and how I can have my own version of that. You know, something that works for somebody else won't necessarily work for me, but seeing and learning how others do it has helped me become more competitive because I want to find the way that I can do it like that. And I'm still nowhere near where I hope I can end up being. And I know that I'm never going to stop learning. And so that mindset for sure has helped me become more competitive and continue to push myself in something that is just so demanding, so competitive. And it really it can push you to the limits and test you. But when you think about the sport and why we do it, you're able to kind of stick, stick with it. And you touched on it a little bit there. Like when you said you walked into, you know, your first FBI class and just froze, how do you deal with nerves like that? For sure. It's become easier over the years. I have become more comfortable at that level, but for me, I do a lot of visualization and breathing and kind of just trying to keep myself calm, focused, and centered. I think it's important to remind yourself that you wouldn't be going into a class that your support team didn't think that you could jump or win even. And so having that mindset and knowing that there are people behind the scenes that believe in you and your relationship with your horses goes a long way. I know for me, that's been a huge help. And 
I just try to always remind myself that, you know, we've put in the work and we wouldn't be trying to do something that we're not capable of. Do you have any kind of routine before a big class? I like to walk the course a few times and visualize exactly where I want my track to be, where I need to take a second, where I can make up time allowed. And and after that, I actually will oftentimes sit by myself and visualize the ideal rounds that I want to have. I'll go through it once or twice. So that way, when I go into the ring, it becomes, it feels as if I've already done it one time. And it takes away a little bit of the pressure and the nerves and allows me to focus more when I go into the ring instead of worrying about what I have to do at this point or this jump or how I need to ride a certain line. It's something that then kind of just, I can feel myself doing it before I even think about it. And so you have mentioned you have a string of horses that you compete and then you also have, um, you do some sales too, correct? Correct. Okay. So what is your training philosophy look like for both your mounts and then your sale horses? I think when it comes to any horse, whether the intention is to keep them for yourself or to sell them, you have to remember that every horse is different and how they progress and how they learn is very different. And you need to be able to cater to each horse on an individual level and be realistic about the expectations. So for my string of horses right now, they're all a little bit on the younger side because I've really enjoyed the process of developing them from a younger age and seeing where they can go. And I know now that after dealing with a few of the horses, how they get from point A to B is very different for every horse. Um, And then when it comes to the sales, it's the same mentality. Horses are so individual and how they go and how they learn and what makes sense to them and what doesn't, that you have to be able to give them the best program and place them with the best person possible that understands where they're at, has realistic expectations, goals, and has a dream of where they want to get to. And when you are training your horses, do you have a favorite exercise or type of work that you think is really important to their training and their growth? So I actually really like doing gymnastics work with my horses. I think that it's done wonders for a lot of my top mounts, especially my number one horse right now, Lorenzo. So I, I build a lot on what I learned with John and Missy and do similar exercises that they taught me. But mainly when I flat the horses on a day to day, I focus on rideability, mainly can I go forward and slow down? Because when we go in the ring, if you can't do that, you're not going to be able to do 90% of the questions that they ask in the course. So I do a lot of extended work, a lot of collected work. And then outside of that, I try to remember that these are animals and that every day can't be hard and demanding on them and mentally challenging because that's an easy way to have them burn out, get sour, not enjoy their job. So I try to do a lot of work outside the ring, whether it's just walking around Wellington on the canals or down the street where from the farm and just giving them time to not be stressed, not think about, you know, oh, she's telling me to go, I have to go now, or I have to slow down. Um, So kind of varying their work and the workload and the stress of the 
of what I'm asking them that day, I found has been really helpful and just keeping their minds fresh and always happy to, to do their job. I'm totally on board with that. I have um, a three-year-old right now and I have to remind myself, you know, cause I want him to be in a program and I want him to learn, but I'm like, you know, he has a brain just as much as I do. Like you can't be drilling them all the time. You know, they need to go out on trail. They need to decompress. They need like a nice easy day every once in a while, just like we do. Yeah, exactly. And so I always, whenever the horses do something great, I try to reward them with downtime and no stress. They can be happy and go on the paddock, go on trail rides, kind of work in a way that, you know, they're just moving their body and their muscles just to stay relaxed. But I don't ask to any, anything too pressing. Uh, going a little bit back to competition now um, and the, you know, your riding coming up th- with Missy and John and now your success as a professional. Why do you think that you have been so successful as a rider? Oh, man, if you ask me, I honestly don't think I've been that successful. I know that I have a lot of things that I want to still do. And I I credit a lot to what I've been able to do to the horses that I've had and the support of my family. and and the people who have always been behind me. But for me, I think I've always had realistic expectations of my horses and knowing what we can do together. And that's given me the drive to pursue those dreams. I've been really lucky to have great, great horses. And without them, I I would not be in the situation that I am or have the confidence that I have. So they for sure have helped me become the rider that I am and I really try not to get too down when things aren't going my way or the horses aren't quite at the level where I thought they would be at that time I try to stay really patient and not push them and know that the hard work at the end is going to pay off so I try to keep a positive mindset in that way and just I love working with them every day and that genuine love and the connection that I have with them and the trust is something that I think translates into the ring. And what do you think the hardest part of this sport is for you? It is such a challenging sport mentally, physically, emotionally, um, on, on every level. But if you had to say what the hardest part you think is, what would it be? I think the hardest part of this sport is, again, that we're working with animals no matter how hard we try to give them everything they could possibly need, there are forces that are out of our control. And knowing that, you know, if you have the best farrier, dentist, vet, anybody else that helps you with the horses and you you all go out of your way to do everything you can to set them up for success, there are still going to be days when that just doesn't go to plan. And it's nobody's fault. And just accepting that part is hard to swallow, you know, especially when your life revolves around these horses and the day to day and making sure that they are happy and have what they need. It's definitely emotionally and mentally challenging and and taxing when it doesn't quite go to plan or you feel like what you've done for them isn't good enough and it's it's easy to think that you've failed them in some way but the reality of the situation is that they are living breathing creatures that we are lucky enough to work with and we do give them the best life and we support them with the team and the structure that they need 
And sometimes there are just forces that are outside of our control that are stronger than what we can do for them. And if you could go back in time to little Kat and give her one piece of advice, what would it be? I think if I were to tell my younger self one thing, it would be to dream the biggest dreams possible. Because I never thought that I would get to a place where I've jumped what I've jumped and competed at the level that I've been lucky enough to be able to jump at. That never seemed like a possibility until I blinked and really found myself in that situation. And what about um, for people who are still aspiring to get to like a level that you're at right now? What would you tell them right now? I think it's really important to keep your head down and keep working. Just because one person is doing something and it seems to work for them doesn't mean it's the way to go about it for everybody. If you stay true to yourself and your dreams and what you want and you trust your gut and you work hard, you're going to be rewarded at the end of the day, no matter how hard the hard times feel. Thank you again for getting on and talking with us. I know that our listeners are going to love hearing from you and learning about you and your career and your horses and your future, and especially the advice that you've offered to people. I think it'll really be taken to heart, and I appreciate that. Of course, I'm absolutely happy to do this. It was a blast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Kat Tyree, and a big thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode, Bymeda. Learn more at bymedaus.com. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'm Julia Murphy, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman Podcast.